The podcast is in session. I'm your host, Elizabeth Tingle, and welcome to our series, Conversations on School Health, a holistic look at maximizing the health and well-being of students and teachers. This series is a collaboration between the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary and EverActive Schools. Each episode, we speak with a different leader in their field about topics that impact student and teacher well-being. And today, we're talking with Adam Pratt about how to implement the new Alberta Physical Education and Wellness Curriculum for kindergarten to grade six, and ideas on how to handle new curriculum generally. Adam is the perfect person to talk to us about this today, as he has had many years of teaching experience, including time as a physical education specialist. He is currently pursuing a master's in health and physical education, and is a health and wellness consultant with EverActive Schools. In his role with EverActive Schools, he has recently been speaking with teachers all over the province about this new curriculum, so I'm sure he will have a lot of great insights to share today. Welcome, Adam. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me in. So, Adam, we like to start off with asking guests how they take care of their well-being. Maybe it's something that can happen while you're listening to a podcast, or maybe not, but it's just always great to hear what people have found works for them. Yeah, for sure. I guess I would say I'm a bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to activities. So I've had experience in lots of different activities, whether it's team-based or individual-based. Um, I like experiencing just anything new and active, something challenging, um, maybe unique to what I've done. I currently play basketball twice a week, and I'm going to start playing volleyball once a week as well, which were actually my childhood passions that I've kind of come back to in the past couple years. But um also have some experience doing a bit of rock climbing, yoga, and I am a very inconsistent runner, trying to become a runner, but I'm not sure if it's going to stick. Um, basically, I love any and all activity, always looking for a challenge. And since I've had kids, uh, my kids are five and three, so we go often go on nature adventure days to the Rocky Mountains. Um, that's what my kids call them, nature adventure days. And that's, I guess, my favorite way to stay active and uh, stay well. Oh, I love it when you can do double duty as a parent of like, I'm outside, I'm enjoying my kids company, I'm getting a little movement in. Those are always good days when you can do that. Yeah, it's awesome. Every Everything nice and built in. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you have come to be so knowledgeable about physical education and the new wellness curriculum and how to effectively implement it in schools. Yeah, for sure. So I think the first thing to say is I'm I'm not an expert in that curriculum by any means. I do ask a lot of questions. I'm definitely a conversationalist and I like to learn through experience. So um, I've really delved into the new curriculum and obviously with my experience of teaching physical education, it's been a curriculum that I've looked quite closely at. But I think a passion towards physical education and, and health and wellness started in high school for me with Chelsea Somerville, my old volleyball coach. Uh, and I, that's where I kind of realized that sport was about a lot more than sport. You know, it's about coming together as a community, learning important life skills, how to work with other people, how to care about other people, have common goals. And I think that's where it's my passion kind of started. Specific, I guess, more to the physical education piece. I have a background in kinesiology. I took a pedagogy specialization program that was at that time run by Dr. Tina Gabriel at the University of Calgary. And that's where I got, I guess, my roots in physical literacy and fundamental movement skills and just 
delivering physical education in a meaningful and impactful and well-researched way. I've also had quite a bit of experience working in the fields of recreation, uh, three different rec centers while I was completing university. I've created and developed summer camps in partnership with Canadian Sport for Life. So that gave me a great kind of insight into the physical literacy world as well. And then obviously with six years as a phys ed teacher, I got a lot of chances to practice and implement different areas of the curriculum and try many new things. I got to open a new school, so I got to help build a program for the school and I could, you know, experiment with different things that worked or maybe things that didn't. And I also think it's important to note that I, I did get a little bit of other experience. So I did teach English in Vietnam for five months and also worked as a classroom generalist for about a year and a half. So I can kind of relate to the classroom teacher or the classroom generalist who also teaches physical education. And sometimes I think being able to bridge that gap mm-hmm. is important. And then, yeah, in more recent years, I've started a master's program at the University of Alberta under Dr. Doug Gleddy and Lorenz Sauls and Haley Morrison, which has been amazing, starting to delve into curriculum theory and physical literacy and health literacy. So getting a lot more look at the research behind those fields. And then now working in my role with Everactive Schools, getting to work with people like Scott Bailey, Carrie Murray, and just picking the brains of people who are really deep into the world of physical education, health, and wellness. <laughs> Absolutely. I love how you've made a little shout out, starting with your volleyball coach and all the mentors that you've had along the way. And it definitely sounds like you are a curious conversationalist, always interested in this topic and how to do it better. So let's talk big picture before we dive into the specifics of the Alberta curriculum. What is the role of physical education and wellness in a healthy school community? What is the point of the the curriculum that is tied to that focus? Yeah, so I think my answer would be to help people in their journey of wellness. Notice I'm not saying to wellness because I think, you know, it's a lifelong journey. I think our biggest focus should be on helping people develop a love of physical activity, but also learning relational skills such as communication, problem solving, teamwork, and those types of things, resiliency, and physical education, especially wellness as well, I think just lends so well to developing what I would call life skills. Maybe they're called Alberta Ed competencies, fairly similar, but just bigger picture, more general skills that really help in, you know, education and academics, but also in life in general. And I think just from my experience and my perspective, sometimes I wonder if we haven't lost our way a little bit in uh, physical education. I think sometimes it's often just viewed as a way to teach sports. um, And we're just so focused on teaching traditional North American team sports. And I would say in the past, from people I know, my experiences, sometimes that actually turns people off of physical activity. So I think we need to make sure people know that all forms of activity and wellness are acceptable. They have equal value. And we need to focus on the physical, of course, but all other dimensions of wellness as well. I wonder if it would be helpful to distinguish between health education and health promotion. In the comprehensive school health framework, we talk about health promotion. Where does health education fit into this? 
I would say health education is more directly tied to curriculum and maybe the elements of teaching and learning within the comprehensive school health model. Um, so it's a bit more, I guess, specific, whereas health promotion is a more broad concept where we're thinking of, you know, whole school environments, school policies, partnerships with the community, and thinking about how we can promote this concept of physical education, wellness, and just, I guess, holistic wellness beyond just a gymnasium or a physical education class. So there is a lot of overlap, but I think health promotion is more big picture, takes a bit more of like a focused whole school effort. Mm-hmm. And it's not just up to the physical education and wellness teacher. It's a shared responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's important to kind of point that out. And we'll probably talk about that as we continue in our discussion. But it requires the school community, you know, multiple members, involvement from the students, involvement from parents and other volunteers, uh, support from administration, and really just taking a more positive, holistic view of health and focusing on the fact that we can all improve our health. In my master's program, we have a kind of an inside joke where we always say we're all in the river. So we're all in the river on our journey to wellness, and we're all going to need different things based on where we are in the river. You know, if we're near a waterfall or some of us can swim and some of us can't, so maybe somebody needs a life jacket and somebody doesn't, but we're all in this journey of wellness together. Different people are going to need different things. So let's think about how we can support them in a positive and holistic way and using that whole school approach and building on those kinds of programs is really important work. Hoping that it kind of catches on and is done more, more frequently in schools. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about the context for this new curriculum in Alberta? Yeah, absolutely. So in the past, in the early 2000s, physical education, a new curriculum came out for that. And then there was also a separate kind of health and life skills curriculum. And then around 2014, I believe it was conversations started about needing an upgrade to the curriculum. And eventually, after some revisions and some edits and back and forth, we've now come to a blended physical education and wellness curriculum. So the wellness piece, I guess, would be replacing the former health and life skills program for K to six. So now we have this kind of blended curriculum of physical education and wellness. And what do you think are the advantages of blending those, what were traditionally separate curriculums? I think that this is a great opportunity for us to start looking at more holistic definitions of physical education and wellness. I think when these two subjects are combined, we're starting to think about more than simply the physical domains of wellness or health, and we're starting to focus in and highlight all the other amazing work we do in physical education and formerly health classes. So we're talking about, you know, how to form healthy relationships, how to learn about and handle growth and development, ways to connect to healthy eating and being safe, whether that's in a class or within the community. But I think these are all things that we often have done during physical education classes in the past. But now we have a chance to really highlight them, talk about them more, lends to more conversations where, again, we're just looking at health and wellness, physical education in a much more holistic mindset, I guess. 
That's what I like about it too, is that the sort of multidimensional approach to health is built in to this curriculum. And I think we all need to be reminded that health is not just about physical well-being, but that there's these other dimensions. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it's good to also talk about Indigenous ways of knowing and being in this point as well, because I think most Indigenous cultures already have that mindset of holistic Mm -hmm. wellness. It's not physical isn't separated from mental and mental isn't separated from spiritual. They're kind of looked at in more of a circular fashion where they all kind of feed into each other. And I think maybe we've operated a little bit in silos before in the past. And this is a great way to use that more traditional learning and Indigenous ways of knowing and being to get that mindset and wrap our heads around holistic health. Maybe it would be helpful if you could lay out the structure of the curriculum, how it's organized, just broad strokes for those who may be unfamiliar. Yeah, for sure. So right now it's a K to six curriculum, the seven to 12 curriculum, I'm sure will be coming out soon. I've heard that maybe by 2024, but don't quote me on that. Um, And how the new curriculum is organized is instead of in physical education, where we used to have four general outcomes, the ABCDs, we called them. And in health education, there were three key areas. But basically, we've taken those two subjects, we've combined them into one. And now we have what are called organizing ideas. So there's eight organizing ideas. These eight organizing ideas are consistent across K to six. And within these organizing ideas, there is a guiding question, maybe a question you're going to be wanting to use to help your planning, um, to be thinking about having your students answer by the end of a theme or a unit. And underneath these guiding questions and these organizing ideas is where we find our learning outcomes. So one thing I found helpful, especially with the new curriculum, it can seem overwhelming at first, knowing that the eight organizing ideas are consistent across K to six is really important. The guiding questions are gonna change a tiny bit as are the learning outcomes, but typically there's only one learning outcome for each of the eight organizing ideas. The exception would be under movement skill development where there's actually three unique outcomes and in grade four, a second outcome is added in growth and development when students start to learn about sexual health So again, just going back to the start, we have these eight organizing ideas. Underneath each of these organizing ideas is a guiding question. Under the guiding question, we have learning outcome, typically one, up to three with movement skill development. And then underneath those, we have what people are referring to as the cusps. So your knowledge, your understanding, skills, and procedures. So knowledge would be looking at something and just knowing the basic knowledge. Like, for example, in financial literacy, money is made up of bills, coins, credit cards, that kind of thing. Understanding would be knowing what to do with that information, like money can be used to purchase things. And then skills and procedures would be actually knowing how to spend that money, manage that money effectively. So that would be a kind of a snapshot of the current framework of the curriculum. You've reminded me of another question I had in using that example. Um, Some people may be surprised to find financial literacy in this physical education and wellness curriculum, but you have a different take on this. Can you talk a little bit about why you think it is important that this is included in this curriculum? 
Financial literacy, I think, is a very important part of wellness. And I think it's it's one of those topics that always comes up from parents about, you know, why aren't our students learning more about how to manage money and deal with mortgages and stuff. So I think tying this into the curriculum was really important based on feedback. I also think it fits really well into this physical education and wellness curriculum because again, wellness doesn't stand in isolation from your finances. So knowing how to manage money, how to access funds to pursue things like recreation, how to meet your basic needs, how to strive for goals so you can obtain jobs and things like this are a really important part of your wellness. So your finances and your wellness in a lot of cases are uh, interweaved. And, and that doesn't mean one determines the other, but there is often a lot of overlap. So I think it's really important that that's a part of this curriculum. That being said, I think it's a bit of a stretch in thinking from our traditional game mindset in phys ed, but I think we need to get creative in how we're kind of interweaving financial literacy and maybe finding some ways to teach financial literacy through movement, which again, I'll probably talk about more as our conversation goes on. Oh, excited about that. I always love when we can embody teaching in any way. I think it just sticks better with the kids. Yeah, for sure. So you have some experience as a teacher, as do I. And I'm curious to know how you have used the curriculum when you're teaching. How does it inform your planning practice? I think every teacher kind of has a different approach, but that might be helpful. Yeah, so I think first and foremost, you have to use the curriculum to guide your planning. So I'm a big advocate for backwards by design, it's often called, but you need to look at outcomes in the curriculum first. That's what we are responsible for teaching. That's what we're responsible for assessing. So instead of planning a unit based on like, oh, it's September, that's when our volleyball team plays. So we're going to do a volleyball unit you need to look at outcomes first. So if you wanted to focus on healthy relationships in September and volleyball was your mechanism to do that, then that would be okay. But if you can find a better mechanism to reach that outcome of healthy relationships, I think that's important to point out. The curriculum should be guiding the decisions we're making when we're planning and the outcome is what comes first. We pick an outcome first and then activities not activities first, and then outcomes that fit in. I think that's really important to note. And I think it's often overlooked. I agree. And I found when I was teaching that the curriculum kind of grounded me and helped me to avoid getting lost in activities that would be really engaging and interesting, but maybe not directly relevant to the curriculum. Sometimes we inherit resources or binders or USB sticks from other teachers and I found the curriculum helpful in paring down and refining like what actually lines up with what I'm responsible to teach. So I want to do a really good job with that instead of just kind of being lost in all the resources and ideas that are out there. So I do think curriculum is such a powerful tool, again, to help with that decision making that we do so often as a teacher. And that's an important thing to point out, Elizabeth, is it's, it does have to be tied to that document. But the physical education and wellness curriculum is actually quite, I would say, I guess, more general than when compared to other subjects. What I mean by that is, I would say there's a lot more flexibility with how you approach the learning outcomes. It's not quite as specific when compared to something like, you know, math, where you're having to 
teach single digit addition as an outcome, for example. So that flexibility sometimes can be viewed as a blessing or a curse. I think it depends on your experience and your confidence with teaching the subject matter, but it does give you kind of a framework to work within and lets you personalize things. But again, we are tied to that document. It is very important that those outcomes are coming first because that's what we're being asked to teach and that is our job to teach them. Yeah. Such a good point. So with that being said, how would you start, you know, we're, we're recording this at the beginning of the school year. How would you start a school year with this new curriculum, either for teachers who have been teaching physical education and or health for a while or for someone who's new and is just starting out? So I would probably start it the same way I always do. And I think that might be helpful to people who are worried about the new curriculum is I don't think you have to throw out things you've done in the past. It might just take a little bit of thinking and fine tuning to keep using what you're already using. So I always like to start the year in September with cooperative games. I think these are the best ways to meet the healthy relationship and character development outcomes. And I always start with those healthy relationship and character development outcomes because they set the stage for the remainder of the year. I think creating a culture in your classroom or in your gym space, wherever you happen to have your class is so important. And if you focus on cooperative games, team building games, activities like that, and really focus in on the conversations, how we're accepting different roles, how we're communicating with each other, how we're respecting one another in the space. I think that it does set the stage for the remainder of the year. And if you do it well, the rest of your year is going to be significantly easier. I think for younger students, you know, maybe kindergarten grade one, starting with safety outcomes is always a good bet too, especially when it's maybe their first year in a big gym or in a new space, or maybe they're working with another class for the first time in a shared gym space. So those safety outcomes are definitely key. That's what I always focused on with my grade one. So just even simple things like getting them to be able to run around a boundary without cutting through the boundary. We (laughs) used a box in our gym and I always talk to students about how they have to stay on the road. And if they're cutting through the box, they're driving on the sidewalk. Or if they get in the middle of the box, they're on someone's lawn or maybe they're crashing into someone's house. So I talk to them about how, you know, even going outside of a boundary a little bit, like driving on the sidewalk, is, is still not a great idea. So giving them that visual and helping them learn those safety outcomes really soon is, is important. From your perspective, we've talked a little bit about the maybe advantages of merging these two curriculums to depict that health is a holistic reality. But curious, how does this blending of curriculum have a potential to shift the way that a traditional health and physical education teacher delivers that in the classes? How can this actually maybe be a good thing for how we teach this? So again, kind of going back to my previous example is when I start in September, I used to do volleyball again because it's volleyball season and that's kind of how I was taught and that was my experience. So I guess my first challenge to listeners would be try focusing on some activities that are maybe not directly related to a current sports season. And I'm not saying you have to do something that's completely like unique and mind blowing. Just 
maybe if it's volleyball season, start your year with orienteering and focus on teamwork within orienteering. And that's going to make your students better volleyball players anyways. So just broadening that horizon, thinking outside the box a little bit and not for a lack of a better term, not stagnating. So I said, I always start with cooperative games every year, but I'm always looking for ways to improve the work I do in cooperative games, different activities, different ideas to help meet those outcomes. So if it's the same theme, that doesn't mean it has to be the same activities. So again, just just trying to shake it up and considering health as holistic. It is very hard to have one element of wellness or health without the other. So if my physical health is slipping, it's going to be hard to maintain my mental health. You know, if my spiritual health decreases, my mental health might go down. So I think, again, connecting back to that indigenous way of knowing and being is health is holistic. We need to start looking at it like that. And we need to take some time to make sure we're focusing on more aspects than just the physical. Speaking towards this like merger of curriculums specifically, I, I think it was a gift. And I love how these two curriculums have been merged together. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> so first off, as I said, I think it challenges our practice as teachers and educators. It gets us thinking outside the box a little bit. It makes us collaborate more, which is, I think, my favorite part of the new curriculum, where this curriculum is talking a bit more about embedding wellness and physical education into a whole school setting. So we're not working so much in silos like math and science and physical education, even though there are still individual curriculums. This is lending to wellness being embedded more throughout the entire school day. And there's evidence of this in the curriculum because... In every subject, there's these things called progressions, and they focus on literacy, numeracy, and other competencies. And you can see, based on each age group, these literacy, numeracy, and competency progressions are listed at certain ages, and they develop over the whole scope of the K-6 curriculum. What I really like about this is it makes us start to think about how, as a physical education and wellness teacher, I can start helping out the literacy and numeracy teachers and helping embed those kind of concepts into games and maybe how they can start thinking about embedding movement into their classroom. But I think thinking about this as like a collective effort where these things have been merged is really important. Our physical health isn't a silo from our mental health, just like our physical activity shouldn't be a silo from our mental health and classes shouldn't just operate in silos either. We got to have that holistic approach, as we talked about before, that health promotion or comprehensive school health approach. How do we ensure that teachers aren't feeling overwhelmed with the new curriculum so that they don't feel like they have to start from scratch? What's your advice? What you are doing still works. If you're looking at the outcomes first and you're determining the best approaches to meet these outcomes through your already existing activity bank and your games and your ideas and your lessons, just keep rolling with that. I just think you really need to make sure that the outcomes are at the core of your planning and the activities you're selecting are purposeful and intentional to meet those outcomes. So I would say, don't, you know, don't sweat. If you have great games and activities from either health class or physical education class, I think keep doing them. Make them great, modify them maybe slightly, but just make sure the outcomes are coming first. I'd also think it's important to mention that you've got lots of support, you know, whether it's 
organizations like our own, like Everactive Schools, Alberta Health Services has great resources on teaching sexual health for the growth and development aspects. Canada's new food guide has resources that can help you out with healthy eating. There's lots of free resources on there. So if you're more nervous about those formerly health-related outcomes, now part of wellness, remember there's a lot of great stuff out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And just remember that even though this is a new curriculum, most of the ideas within it are consistent to the former physical education and health curriculums. I think them as a merger is just going to allow us to stretch our thinking a little bit, thinking about ways we can embed movement into wellness class, wellness into a physical education class. And I actually think generalists who teach all subjects to their own class might actually have a leg up on this as they're used to teaching both. A coworker of mine always says, now we just have to think of how to feed two birds with one scone. So, <laughs> so how can we teach wellness outcomes through a physical activity or how can we teach a science outcome or a math outcome or a wellness outcome through an activity? Yeah, I like the potential that you see in that. Can you comment on or provide some examples of how we could interweave that wellness or physical education outcomes into a more typically classroom outcome? What are some ideas that you've seen that have worked well? Well, I would start with saying, you know, start small. It doesn't need to be this big, grand idea. I had former coworkers at my previous school where helped build an outdoor classroom. And then my coworkers started by just taking their students outside whenever they were doing reading and they would sit outside. So I know that sounds small, but in the process of getting outside, people are more active. That breath of fresh air is, you know, there's lots of research on what that does for your body and time outside in nature it does for your, your body and your mind. So I think starting small, you know, whether it's just adding in a daily class walk where you go outside for 15 minutes or like I said reading outside or taking one lesson a day or even one lesson a week outside or putting kind of an active spin on that would be a great way to do it just simple adjustments again like if you're having students answer multiple choice questions maybe label the four corners of your room as a b c and d or when students respond to a question, they have to stand up to show one answer or squat to show another answer. Again, these are just small ideas, but it's a bit of a way to normalize movement into everyday living or every class. This is important because the reality is physical education and wellness are still only designated to be 10% of instructional time in a week. And I believe that's consistent from K to six. So if you had 50 blocks in a week, Five of those are going to be for physical education and wellness. So I think looking at activity and wellness beyond physical education and wellness class is really important. I think we need to be working together to normalize movement so students are getting as much activity in a school day as they can. Because the reality is with only 10% of instructional time, for physical education teachers or people taking their class to physical education to get it done in, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever you might have. It's, it's difficult to meet the recommendations and keep kids as active as we want to. So it has to be a bit more of that collaborative mindset where we're all working together. And whether that's 
through making sure we have daily physical activity initiatives or lots of recess blocks in our school or a great intramurals program where people have the option to stay active. I think those are some ideas of just how to make movement and wellness more a part of everyday learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some great ideas and small things that become really the part of a culture of a school. And sometimes when teachers see other teachers incorporating movement or going outdoors, it gives them the permission or the example to find a way to do that in their own teaching. Yeah, I think that's good to remind people. And it's just, I think a lot of people are overwhelmed. I don't know how to teach outside. And and I think if you can teach students in a classroom, you can teach them outside. It just takes a little bit of practice and just stepping outside of that comfort zone a little bit. But if this becomes a regular part of your routine, it's going to get very normalized for both yourself and your students, and they're going to adjust. And, you know, after maybe a month of doing it once a day or even once a week, I think you'll find that it becomes a lot easier and it's going to help out everybody's wellness and make the day a lot better in general, just because of that extra activity time and time outside and just everybody's going to feel a lot better about their school day. For sure. Should we explicitly tell students we're going to learn this topic by getting up and moving because that's good for us, or we're going to go outside because this is going to help us remember this concept better, or do you just kind of sneak it in as a teacher? What's worked for you? I would argue it that students want to know why they're moving, why they're doing what they're doing in a day, and I think it's a really valuable part of their learning. As I've said Already, there's a lot more to physical education class and wellness class than just the physical, especially in physical education class where we get so fixated on just the physical skill, name like especially manipulative skills where we're doing basketball, volleyball, soccer, because those are the sports that we do, I guess, in North America. Or somehow we've decided that those have more valuable than other activities. Yeah. And I think we need to, again, question why are we doing this? students want to know why we're doing this. So early in my career, I used to be so fixated on, you know, if I have 30 minutes in a class, I have to get students moving for 29 of them. Mm -hmm. And while I still believe that the physical activity part of physical education class is, of course, important, I now would rather, you know, be active for 25 minutes and take a more kind of holistic view of the class, a more purposeful view of the class, talk about things that happen in the class to you know, do things like teach self-regulation, why I picked an activity to have students connect, maybe how this activity and the skills they use in this activity could translate to another activity or how if we were doing a leadership activity, how their role as a leader could translate into their role as a leader in the class or whether they like to be a leader or like to be a follower. And I think Having those conversations is so, so, so important. And, and we get so fixated on the physical and just move them, move them, move them, move them. We sometimes forget about all the other wonderful things that we're getting through experiential learning. An example I often use of this that maybe connects is having students sit in a classroom and learn about trees for 30 minutes versus actually taking, you know, maybe it's grade three students. It might take 20 minutes to get them ready, get them outside and walk to trees. And by the time you get there, you might only have 10 minutes to learn about those trees. But if they're actually there and experiencing the tree and they walked and they were connecting with their friends and maybe talking about some things along the way, I think what they learn in that 10 minutes 
is going to be more lasting than what they would have learned in, in 30 minutes in a classroom. So again, just thinking about the why behind why we're doing things, having students think about the why, how getting outside impacts their mental health, their well-being. I think these conversations are important. And I definitely am not a believer of just like sneaking these things in. Um, I think it's important that they know because it, this will connect to their wellness. Like, oh, I feel better after going for that walk and learning about trees. Why? You know, having them reflect on that is is really important. Yeah, I think that's a really good tenet of social emotional learning, which I see a lot of in this curriculum. And there's just such strong research to support that time spent on teaching students these skills, self-regulation and leadership and character development really does lead to positive changes for them. So it is time well spent. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your pro tips for implementing this new curriculum that maybe we haven't covered? My biggest thing is approaching teaching from a backwards by design method. That outcome needs to come first. So if you're new or you're an experienced teacher, I think really reflecting back, looking at this new curriculum, finding those outcomes for the grade or grades you teach and making sure the activities you're selecting connect to those outcomes specifically is the best way to guide your planning. And whether you choose to do that by day or by week or by month or all of them, I think it doesn't matter as long as you're thinking of the outcomes first and then selecting activities to fall within that. There's so many activities. There's so many to choose from, so many great ones, but why you're choosing them is is more important than what you're choosing. Mm-hmm. On that same note, I think finding activities that are modifiable for various settings and levels is another pro tip I would say I have is most of what I would say are my best games I've done with kindergarten students. I've also done with adults in professional development sessions. So obviously with modifications, but I think a good activities, for example, a team building game that's working on healthy relationships and looking at leadership roles and follower roles and how we communicate with each other and respect and work with each other. I think those kind of activities can be modified easily and still reach kind of those same desired outcomes. So finding an activity you can do in the classroom, outside, on a field trip, I think are is like, again, another, I guess, pro tip. And then just focusing on that two birds with one scone comment again, just thinking of cross-curricular content. If you're a generalist, how can you bring a math concept to life through movement or through activity? Or if you're a physical education teacher, how can you do a game where you're learning math at the same time? If you do a relay race, maybe kids are running to collect numbers or I've set up an orienteering unit where students have to go on a map and find five different locations. And at each of those locations, there was a math problem they had to solve. And then when they found all five, they had to come back and there was like a riddle that they had to solve. I'm meeting multiple outcomes from various subjects at the same time. So it takes a lot of work in the start, but it's it's more efficient. I guess it's that like front loading where you're doing a lot of planning and getting a really quality lesson and you get the payoffs later. For sure. What could a teacher do tomorrow with respect to this new physical education and wellness curriculum? How could they bring it to life in their own classroom? I would say try one activity that weaves physical activity and wellness into cross-curricular learning. So whether you're taking 
what you're going to consider a wellness outcome and a physical education outcome and finding an activity to teach both of those outcomes at the same time, I think that would be a great start. Or if you're a generalist teacher and you have to teach a math concept and you want to reach a wellness concept at the same time, again, thinking of a way you can find an activity that targets both of those in an authentic and meaningful way. So I could give examples of this. Um, We only have so much time. So an idea I would say would be, there's a game I play. It's called Four Corners, Giants, Wizards, and Elves. So it's kind of like giant rock, paper, scissors, and we won't get too much into the, the gameplay, but basically students are moving around the room using fundamental movement skills, so skipping, hopping, crawling, those kinds of things. And they start in a corner, and they're trying to win at Giants, Wizards, and Elves, much like rock, paper, scissors. And they're trying to make it from their starting corner all the way to the other three corners of the room and then back to their own corner. And what I've done to adapt that game to include some financial literacy is I've given students like a budget of like some paper money. And every time they play someone in Giants, Wizards and Elves, they have to kind of pay to play like they were purchasing (laughs) a service, right? And then you can make little like toll booths around the class where they have to pay a little bit. Maybe it's their rent. I don't know. Their, or their road toll, whatever, where they're coming <laughs> around the class and they have to pay a little bit of money. But when they get back to their original corner, they're going to get their paycheck. Say they've accomplished their job and they're going to get a paycheck. So again, this is a very brief, messy description of a game, but I hope you can kind of see how an idea like that could come to life in your classroom, in your context. So you could start thinking about, okay, I'm now moving students. I'm teaching them that motor skill development organizing idea area and the outcomes underneath that. But I'm also starting to teach them about the financial literacy piece where they're understanding money and how to spend money. So I think, again, just getting creative Mm -hmm. to merge those is really good. Another thing people could do is, as I said already, just go outside, you know, go for a walk and measure the distance you walked or use pedometers or use a Apple watch if someone's got one and kind of come back and make a real life math problem based on the distance that you've walked or turn a test or an assignment into a game or a movement activity. So as I said before, you know, standing up for an answer A or balancing on one leg for B, just simple little things like this would really help uh, bring this curriculum to life. And one last piece I would recommend would be just Consider replacing a sports theme that you've done before, you always do, with something that's a bit more, I guess you could call alternative. So whether it's orienteering or yoga or you decide to do a a month of daily walks or runs or a local park tour, something like that, just to bring value and weight to different ways of being active. As I said, our ultimate goal is to get people loving being active and not everybody loves team sports. So I would challenge you to maybe just Make one minor switch. You don't have to change up your whole year or change one week where you're doing something maybe you haven't done before. And that would really help bring this curriculum to life, I think. Those are all really fun ideas. And you've reminded me of in grade two, I had some unit where we designed our own city And we had to come up with a flag and a name and a currency. And then there was eventually a day where we, there were booths where there were transactions with these made up currencies and people brought in like foods to share and sell. And like, as I think back on it, there were so many 
curriculums that were being blended in this activity. And we were up and moving and social and having a good time. But what's amazing is that I still remember it. Grade two was a very long time ago for me. But these kinds of activities that do require some of that forethought and, as you said, sort of front-end planning can really land with some students. And so I think it's so exciting to think about the possibilities of combining the curriculums in this way. Yeah, I do as well. And again, I think this is just, that's a gift where these have been blended together. It's going to stretch our thinking a bit, but let's start thinking of the whole child, the holistic view of health and wellness, and and think about how we can kind of work all these things together to make really a great educational experience. So lastly, what are your go-to resources that you would recommend to teachers for implementing this curriculum? So YouTube is obviously a good one. Uh, Again, just a caution with that. Remember to know why you're choosing the activity you do. So um, selfishly, I'd promote EverActive Schools YouTube page. Uh, I also, before I was working with EverActive Schools, when I was teaching, I created my own YouTube page called P.E. Pratt. Um, There's other great YouTubers out there. There's one called Phys Ed Games, giving you some ideas of activities you could use. What sometimes is lacking in things you find on YouTube, though, is, again, the rationale of why you're doing it, how you can modify it, and maybe what outcomes it ties to. So, again, just making sure you're thinking of why you're choosing those activities. But YouTube is a great way to visually see different activities, especially in physical education. I always loved using Canada Food Guide resources and Alberta Health Services resources for teaching some more of those, I guess, what we would call wellness outcomes or formerly health outcomes right now with the new curriculum. So whether it's teaching sexual health or teaching about healthy eating, I think we need to educate ourselves on those topics. And Alberta Health Services is a great place to start, as well as the Canada Food Guide. There's lots of great resources for you there. I also think, I guess, give a little plug to EverActive Schools or other professional development, but Shaping the Future is an annual conference held by EverActive Schools where I've learned a lot about things like healthy eating and maybe areas I didn't have as much expertise on. We're also currently doing sessions where you can register online on our website for just learning more about the curriculum and the design of it and why it was designed and how to bring it to life in your classroom. And uh, you could check those out. And then also I would recommend to people, especially newer teachers who may not be aware, the Alberta Teachers Association has specialist councils, so the Health and Physical Education Council and the Global and Environmental and Outdoor Education Council, or HPEC and GEOC, are great councils to join if you want to learn more about great activity resources, health and wellness resources, professional development in the field, and I think those are kind of great places to start. Those are all great suggestions, and we'll put links for those in the show notes. And I agree with you. A video is really helpful. Like whenever I've looked at diagrams of a game for physical education, I I never understand it. The best way is to play it yourself, but then yes. the next best way is to watch it and like, okay, I think I understand now how I can run this game. So mm. those are always good resources to share. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming and sharing your insights and your optimistic outlook on this curriculum. I think you've given us a lot of things to be creative and flexible with. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and good luck everybody with implementing the new curriculum. You'll do awesome. 
Thanks for joining us for another Conversation on School Health, a serious collaboration between the Workland School of Education and EverActive Schools. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music, and a special thank you to Stephen Hurley from Voice Ed Radio for production assistance and sound editing. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EverActiveAB, on Facebook at EverActive Schools, or visit our website everactive.org for more great content and resources. Until next time, the podcast is dismissed. <laughs>